We want to thank you for tuning in to the Big Self Podcast again. It's an honor and a privilege to be bringing you these ideas and inspiration, these practical approaches to this thing called life. And honestly, it's an honor and a privilege to be doing this with my co-host, Shelly. Say hi. Hi, everybody. Howdy. Hope everybody's having a great week. Glad you're here. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're about six months in with this thing. It's a labor of love. We appreciate your support. So if you would, leave us a review. Uh, give us some stars. Give us some star love, if give you would, on right. the Apple uh, iTunes there. It helps us. It gives us our, our rankings could be um, made a little bit higher. More people can know the goodness that we are sharing. And of course, you know, if you do um, have a question, uh, a topic that you would like us to cover, we um, are definitely open to ideas. And sometimes our very podcasts come from questions uh, from our emerging, growing community. And that's, as a matter of fact, this is one that like has been years in the making and people are constantly kind of wanting to know about this. And I think that we have a pretty good way of distilling these very complex concepts of ego and calling and distilling them down, Shelly, into what five takeaways, right? Yeah. So today what we're going to talk about, this has come up a, some in our community and questions that have popped up in the group. Five ways to distinguish your calling from your ego. Uh, this was an article I wrote. Gosh, what year is this? Well, you, you do. We, there are some takeaways that you've been on this wisdom train for a while, yeah. Shelley. Well, and the, the impetus for this idea is, you know, like most writing, it comes from your own life. And I've always struggled with this sense of like how to do both, you know, feeling very called uh, relationally, yeah. uh, serving people and kind of having these quote softer skills, but also feeling really driven and ambitious and wanting to make a bigger impact and, and integrating these, these two really seemingly different parts of me has, has been lifelong. And my therapist would say, this is the work of your life. Shelly, the integration of these two really strong parts yeah. is this is a lifetime project. And so I've, I've been intrigued by this idea for many years because I'm living it. I, I don't know where we jump in. I think, you know, one of the things I think is going to be an important takeaway for uh, for those listening is, you know, because you hear a lot of this talk about, you know, you got to you got to be egoless. You got to get rid of that ego. Um, what is uh, Ryan Holiday's book is like ego is the enemy. So I just hate that. Which, I mean, the book's good, but I hate the title. <laughs> Because the ego, we you got to have yourself an ego. You got to have some ego in it, but it's easy for the ego to, uh, you know, like, be, well, become an enemy. And for a lot of reasons, there's a lot of narcissism. Yeah. There's, uh, but let's let's well, begin like from the top. So with, yeah. So ego, the way that that we are talking about it, classic definition. Yeah. It's the part of your mind that mediates between the conscious and the unconscious. And it is, you know, the, the mind construct, it's responsible for 
making sure that you form an identity, a separate self, uh, it's protecting that self, and it helps in reality testing. So what's what's right. real, what's not real. So without an ego, we would not have mental health. We would not be a, a fully functioning kind of human being. So, so there's, you know, people, I think, really have to define our terms a little bit. Right. My issue is not with the ego. I think the ego is a wonderful thing that keeps us mentally healthy. <clears throat> the problem is, and I think what Ryan Holiday and others have talked about, though, is our kind of unconscious, unhealthy over-attachment to the ego. And so when we go unconscious to the role of the ego in our lives, then we get swept up in what the ego wants for us instead of seeing it as you know a piece of our our mental condition and psychological functioning. So it's it's not the whole thing, it's a part of the thing. Yeah, uh, let's see, how can I add to that? I think that as a matter of fact, you know, one of the, the things, the big things that we're about with at the Big Self School is uh, the integration, right? Integration's a big thing and how that's healthy. And I would say, I think that like that's some of the, one of the ideas that you've been working on for a long time is that you the the healthiest thing is to integrate your ego with your calling you know yeah. ultimately yeah I think that's a really worthy noble goal so because because you know dissolving the ego even if I wanted to I'm not sure I could do that yeah because it's such a uh, important part of my all of us are human experience, but um, I don't want to dissolve the ego because then I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't have the um, the drive and the ambition and the desire to impact people the way that I do. So I, so the thing is to, you know, um, you and I love Richard Rohr, Father Richard Rohr, right. his book, Falling Upward. He talks about the first and the second half of life. And so the first half of life for many of us, it's, you know, until we turn about the age that we are now. So knocking on the door 50, we, you know, the ego's in the driver's seat and the ego's really valuable for helping us form our identity, um, helping us with um, reality testing, like I said, social norming, kind of looking at what the norms are around us and then helping us evolve and adapt as a result of those. But the second half of life, I think, is where the ego begins to take a back seat to something else. And that something else is what I would propose, you know, the word we talk about calling, which is using your gifts to serve the world. And so the first half of life, the ego is helping you figure out who you are and what your gifts are. And then in the second half of life, you really get to kind of activate that into some bigger, deeper meaning and purpose. Uh, okay. Yeah. And I think it's important to distinguish between having in that case, I would say, uh, that's a mature ego and let's call we could call that a quiet ego. And I think it's important to distinguish between a quiet ego and a little ego, right? Like the, the little ego is the one lacking in some self-confidence, the the quiet ego is the one that has learned in a more mature way maybe through life experience and and self-understanding to to take that mediating position and you know that more mature position you can you can be quiet and still be strong and i think that when you've done the ego development 
work around this, then you can have that quiet ego that doesn't need to like pound its chest, but there's still strength in that. There's still uh, a lot of power and and, uh, potential in that. And, and I think that when the ego sits in service to the soul, which is what we talk about with calling work, that is powerful stuff. When you have figured out, okay, that's, that my ego is getting stoked here and I have to, to work on developing this quiet ego, the strength of that. When you combine that with what your soul, your calling is, yeah, man, watch out. Like that's the purpose of life. That's why we're here is to discover these gifts and bring them in to serve the world in some way. And before we hop in to these um, five ways to distinguish your ego from your calling, you want to distinguish them to know what maybe what's, you know, how to find balance between between the two. And Bef- integration. Yeah, yeah, and how to ultimately do that. That's what I mean. Um, but before we do that, let's also su- suggest that like that one other thought about the idea of really trying to go egoless uh, or kill your ego could some some of like so some psychonauts you know those the pe- the people who like do, do a lot of the the um, the drug testing not the the drug experiences where you, the chemically induced things where right. you yep, yep, you yep. have transcendent chemically induced experiences. Um, and you know, and Hey, that's like, that can give you some perspective for a while as you kind of like step out of your ego and you kind of observe it almost like you're, you know, being made to feel a little bit smaller in, in nature or something when you're witnessing the grand Canyon and you realize you get perspective because of how small we really are type of thing. But overall, if you really are trying to uh, get rid of your ego, some have called this and, um, one of our writers, um, Marta has done some research on this and, yeah. and she's, um, she's found shout out to Marta. <laughs> John Elwood calls it a spiritual bypass. Uh, and he describes it as the tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, and unfinished developmental tasks. Mm-hmm. I think that I actually, have experienced um, some of this too at times. Like when I was reading, and you know, we could say I was maybe I was misunderstanding Eckhart Tolle in on on this front. But like when he would just emphasize, kill that ego, get 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 rid of the ego. Then, like when I'm, you know, in certain political environments, like where I was working, and then I was just like, I was trying to be so like okay with everything that everybody was doing and and the power moves that I got taken advantage of. Mm. And so there's, I mean, there's something about the ego that that pulls us into um, having boundaries. Yeah, I think about. Can can I offer this? Just ego initiatory. So the ego is this um, alarm system. You know, it has like a, a, it's, it's the function of the ego is in its protective function, but it's uh, paying attention. It's surveying kind of what's happening around us and then helping us, us pay attention to that. And, but it's initiatory. So it's not, it's not the end of the conversation. The ego is not like the period on the end of the sentence that it's like a done thing. Yeah. It's initiating us to examine and explore and move forward 
And and if we combine that with the calling, which is what we'll talk about in a second, then that's where we do really pioneering work that we're put on the earth to do is my opinion. So, so yeah, I think that at the spiritual bypass, if you, if you get rid of the ego, then you're not going to have that alarm system that's helping you kind of move through either traumatic past or unresolved issues or. Well, yeah, I I think I can give a little bit more without going too deep here or anything. I can give a little bit more of an example of like, uh, like, let's say you, um, you're, you're, you're playing the, the publishing game for a while and you're an author and you've really tried to strive to, um, write a book, um, and you've come up against some difficult personalities and you've had some bad experiences and you decide, you know what? It's not worth it. I don't like playing this game. I'm going to go egoless. I don't need to publish this book. Uh, well, then what happens is you have an unresolved issue. You you have this book that you wanted to get out in the world, but you let some difficult experience, you, you coupled an unresolved thing by saying, oh, I'm, I'm, by, I'm bypassing my ego. Well, what the, the real result of that is uh, you, you, um, you don't give yourself something that you could have, and you're going to have an unresolved issue. Your low, your self-esteem may get lower. Um, your, you know, you may, may, your confidence may take a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the whole time you're doing that in like saying that I'm, I'm being super spiritual and all modest or mm-hmm. not egotistical. Well, I think if, if we were to have some of those, um, you know, spiritualist, the ego dissolvers here, they, I think they would say that, yes, the ego is a part of this process, but what, but most of us let it, let it take us out of the present moment. Right. It, instead of letting it take us into the present moment to take, to pay attention and feel or think or deal with whatever it's presenting to us, that it's having to kind of mediate for us most of us uh, externalize it and we we move forward or move away from it. And so I think like an Eckhart Tolle would say, let it invite you into the present moment to be present with what you're feeling and experiencing and, and it's showing you. But yeah. most of us, I mean, that's a practice that you just kind of have to do that and train yourself. But most of us, and that's what my article is about a little bit, like most of us want to run from that. We don't want to sit in this discomfort and this anxiety. Um, so that's, but that's part of what the ego, the role right. of the ego is. Yeah, because, because uh, Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra, uh, they, they who say don't have an ego, well, obviously it takes a lot of ego to uh, conduct, you know, massive interviews on Good Morning America or to be on ma- big stages in front of people or publishing best-selling books. You have to put yourself out there with what the ego's ambitions are. Yeah. Well, and the ego is, you know, this um, differentiating you from others. You know, that's part of the function of the ego, self versus others. And so if you have a healthy ego, then you can develop a self separate from other people. You can develop ideas separate from other people. Uh, So again, it's not a bad thing. Like this is, we don't need to demonize the ego. So what is, so, uh, so number one way, uh, in no particular order, I guess here yeah. um, of, of importance, but, um, here is number one way to decipher, uh, 
the ego and the calling. Why don't you take it away? Ego fears not having or doing something and calling fears not expressing or being something. What do we mean by that? And, you know, the ego, the way I think about it is the ego really gets wrapped up in the outcome and is really, um, uh, and wants us to, to get to a positive outcome. And so it's doing a lot of heavy lifting around making sure that we, we get there. We have something that we believe we need to have. We do something that we believe we need to do. And we, you know, a lot of us get lost in that outcome. You know, we, you and I talked about it this morning, the process of writing, uh, it was, would be the calling getting, oh, right. getting published as a writer. The focus of that is the is ego. The ego. Yeah. Like let's jump ahead and get that book out there, get you published. Like that's the ego's work and, and what it wants for you. Calling is simply, it's very simply like yeah. you have something in you that needs to be expressed. It needs to be lived. It needs to be created. It needs to be built. Something in you that wants to come out. There might be subtle clues. It might be just because you are gifted or that you've been led to want training or you've sought mastery mm -hmm. at something. Yeah. I, you know, I talk a lot to people about their birthright gifts. And so, you know, I want you to go back and think about, I think we talked about this on the podcast last time. No, maybe. Uh, for people to really think about who they were around ages five and six um, before life kind of sweeps us up into the ego so much. But that's that's a really pure place where we can see our giftedness start to bu bubble up. And if we can remember that or ask people who knew us when we were that age, those are some of those expressions that are wanting to still come out because that's a part of who we are. Ego uh, throws you into the world and you're going to have to be striving a lot. And so it wants some, it wants to see some results because it wants to know, you know, I'm worthy, right? Right. Yeah. 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 And important. Yeah. And look at me compared to everybody else. Right. <laughs> Colleen doesn't care as much about that. So that's yeah. why that's the difference between the two and why it would be good to integrate the two. Right. right? Yeah. Okay. So number two, ego, yeah. ego needs anxiety to survive Calling needs silence to survive. So anxiety is kind of the well, life, that doesn't sound good. The lifeblood of the ego. The ego anxiety. Yeah, where it feels fear or it feels uh, we're we're talking about it like it's a person. Um, where there's anxiety, that's where it will work to um, kind of fix you or kind of contour your personality. So when there's there, that's that's where the ego learns to step in, because if you have anxiety around the fact that you feel socially awkward, then the ego will step in and try to help you craft a persona around that feeling of social awkwardness. Is the ego, and I don't want to get off track here, but is the ego responsible for sort of creating that shadow side too, because it's responding to like what the world is saying yeah, is okay yes. and what the world is saying is not okay. And so we're stuffing parts of yeah, ourselves. Absolutely. You think okay. about, think about like we have conscious, conscious thoughts, conscious consciousness, yeah. and we have unconsciousness, unconscious thoughts and feelings. And so that's the shadow is in, is in our unconsciousness. So the ego is what mediates between those two. So the ego is like what 
what helps us kind of go back and forth between what we're aware of and what, what is unaware, what we're unaware of. Yeah. So it's kind of mediating between those. Yeah. So the, the, the basis of this though, you know, calling needs silence to survive. Um, because calling is subtle. Uh, it's usually very hidden. You know, it's, if you think about like birthright gifts at age five, like that stuff's way back there and we can't really pay attention and reflect and do the work we need to do to understand and discern our callings without silence. So like, you mean it's like just some not solitude, possible. just solitude. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So calling, uh, takes, um, also it takes just the, some quiet time that maybe not everyone is comfortable with. You got to be with yourself and do a little reflection. Well, and you have to set boundaries between you and the rest of the world, uh, to really pay attention to it. And who, who can do that? Like we're all, we convince it, ourselves yeah. that the ego convinces us that in order to get the life we want, we have to keep working really hard and stay busy and keep doing, keep moving. And the call calling is, has, you know, none of that. Like, it's like, you've got to pull back. You've got to be countercultural to really sit with and understand kind of these deeper parts of yourself. Now, number three, with ego manifesting as burnout and calling manifesting as fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Well, that just sounds like ego, bad calling good. Right. So, well, I, again, I think it's, let's go back to our definition. The, the problem with the ego is unhealth, unhealthy, unconscious attachment, over attachment. That's where we get into trouble. And absolutely, it is the engine that takes us to burnout. Because when it is running the ship, running the ship, is that right? Sure. Running I mean, the show. Yeah. Sure. It, it can be, you can be <laughs> guided. I get my um, metaphors mixed up a lot. Sometimes, but you love this definition about it. It's, um, it's this idea of giving what you don't have. From that, Parker Palmer. Yeah. Burnout is not about giving too much of yourself. It's about trying to give what you do not possess. And so when you haven't done the self reflection and kind of calling work to see like, okay, who, how am I uniquely gifted to bring these gifts into the world? Like whatever those are, then your ego yeah. is running on overdrive and it's giving, it's trying so hard to give what you don't have to give because you haven't done the work to figure out what you have to give. Yeah. And, and, mm -hmm. and so the recipe for that, you know, burnout is chronic stress like over time, it's a cumulative, cumulative stress and you will burn out. Like trying to be all things to all people or thinking that you can kind of handle it all on yeah, the way to well, getting the results you want. For me, you know, the work, when I think about the egos, my ego's role in my life, it was, and it still is to prove something. So yeah. that drives me. That chip on the shoulder? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I've done so much ego work around this. Like I can, I now can recognize like, Oh, that's the pusher yeah. is what I call my ego. Like it's pushing me to, to drive harder and faster and further because of this need to prove. Um, but that, I mean, that's, that has nothing to do with my calling, you know? So if I stay in that mode, I will burn out again. Oh, right. 100%. But it's, it is sometimes nice to have a little flavoring of that in, in you to in, in oneself to like, give us a little bit of a, you know, maybe a kick in the pants yeah, sometimes but see, for some just inner kind of, yeah. For sure. Grit. When, but when I'm unconsciously over attached to my ego, yeah. then I will get into burnout when I'm conscious and healthy, have a healthy ego development, healthy ego, mm -hmm. then that becomes something very 
different in my life. It doesn't, it's not driving the, the car, it's okay. sitting shotgun. All right, so so number three was how we can sort of um, see the manifest, we can know whether ego or calling is leading us as a result of what it's manifesting in our lives. Uh, number four. Ego focuses on the result, calling focuses on the process. And this is what I was mentioning earlier about your, right. your writing. Um, the ego gets really wrapped up in the end result and calling is pretty happy with <laughs> just being and expressing and kind of being in the process. Now, what can happen though, if you're all, um, I figured out my calling, but you don't have a, a, a tinge of the ego in there, then we all might just go and like live on an island and become like, spiritualists who don't come back out and really do the impact work that that I think is important and I think part of my life goal is to use my gifts and strengths to impact people well I think part of our working definition of calling is that it is going to uh, manifest into a result for others there's going to right. be an outward focus and that could be like you know I, I was I think I was saying like yeah like um, on the first part of the definition of calling like hey maybe I, I love I feel like I'm a good mountain biker and I love getting out there in nature and and it's just very just wonderful for me but what in the end what is that doing for for anybody what kind of impact and I think so calling has to join like a challenge and gift and reward in yourself with well am Am I at least providing for my family doing this or am I serving others or like in some way? And yeah. I think that's where it begins to, you know, it, it, it is process, but I think that if it's really being f coming through, then the process is leading to um, serving others. Now, I don't know the degree to which ego is kind of steps in and forces that to happen, um, cause of results. Yeah, so maybe the real definition it's calling it's, you know, I think we're getting to the fifth one. So I'll just say the fifth one. Cause, oh, okay. cause it made me think of this ego wants to preserve the self calling wants to impact others. Oh, right. Yeah. So that really is like by definition, our definition of calling is that it has some, it's self-development work. Like you go in and you figure out some, some very core identity, questions and giftedness questions, but it always ends in giving back to others, impacting others, serving others. Um, and I do think that's where the ego can really be valuable. Like it can prompt us to, um, to think a little bit bigger, to enlarge ourselves a little bit. Um, and that, and I think it can be an unhealthy thing that the ego takes us to, but when we have done some of this, we've figured out yeah. what our, what our gifts are. We figured out what's fulfilling for us. We're in the process. We're in the flow. And then you kind of have a little tincture of ego in that. Yeah. Then I think that that's, that's a really powerful place to be. A tincture, a tincture <laughs> of ego. Yeah, you know, I mean, I love Frederick Buechner's famous aphoristic statement about calling. It's the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. Is mm, that That's how boom. it goes, right? I mean, yes. that's kind of what we're saying. I think you could, you know, forever be like, well, what's your deep gladness and what's the world's deep need? Uh, and I think you've actually pointed out before that our calling can, um, it, it changes as we change. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not some permanent thing. I think we can have more than one calling. 
And I think that our calling callings can change over time. And so yeah. depending on uh, who we are and the, you know, what's, what is life teaching us at as give, any given time of our lives, then I think our callings can change and shift. And um, I think callings can be, um, Parker Palmer, I can't remember the quote he has, but he talks about like calling can kind of like be hard when you figured out your giftedness and you figured out how like these fulfilling things, but giving it back in some service, yeah, it is, it's not always easy. I mean, this isn't like a cakewalk. That's why we maybe resist it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that there's, um, um, well overall, like what is the big self school doing? We're trying to like help you lead a more meaningful life. That's, that's, I think the big goal. Mm -hmm. And so this is a piece of, of that puzzle. While you know, while your ego does a necessary job of helping you function in the world, it's your calling that creates a more authentic, soulful, big self way to be in the world. And I think, you know, it's been interesting to, as we consider the very name of the big self school, I think originally you wanted big to, to emphasize the ambition and, and that kind of ego self in the world and then self being the true self, the healthy self. But, um, over time I've actually even thought of it as like almost growing that self up and becoming a little bit of a bigger self. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like too that it's, um, you know, Zen P Buddhists talk about it in terms of your higher consciousness, yeah. your higher self. Um, and I love that, you know, the little self they say is, is the ego. It's this kind of like shaping your identity. It's your, oh, it's, yeah. you know, it's how you see yourself, but that's not the big self. The big self is the soulful work of really figuring out who you are at your essence and living that more and more in the world. Yeah, and we have got, we are launching all kinds of workshops and courses to that end, depending on the very things that you may want to emphasize, you know, we're going to, we'll be talking boundaries, you know, how, mm -hmm. how those come into play. The practice of gratitude, uh, especially over the past year, you know, I, I used to think that that was kind of a, a lightweight kind of thing. I didn't understand it until this year. You've, you've kind of just kept beating the drum until I came around and kind of figured some things out. I mean, I tell that's you how it has to work around here. I guess I just stay at it. I, yeah. But, uh, gratitude's powerful medicine. When you practice it, I dare you to practice some gratitude next time you're feeling, uh, a little bit down. I was, I think I told you this, I was kind of in a funk last week. Yeah. Uh, and I was, you know, COVID still happening. Oh man. Yeah. And I was like, you know what though? Let me, let me just think this is all I've ever wanted. Like this yeah, is a pretty it. good gig. I get to work at home with you building something that I'm like insanely passionate about. Yeah. My kids are all here, happy, safe, healthy. I'm we're, I've always wanted to homeschool. Right. We're getting to homeschool our kids this, this semester. Wow. So I'm like, yeah, life is pretty darn good. You know, yes. like that. And it immediately kind of shifted my energy out of a funky place. Well, so. we hope that this has shifted your focus a little bit. Thanks for tuning in, supporting us and helping us to support you. I suppose it works both ways. We're so glad when you all get to join us and um, just hope you have a fantastic week. Thank you.
If you'd like to learn more about us, join the community on Facebook at the Big Self Society. You can find us at Big underscore Self on Twitter. And we are also at the Big Self Society on Medium, where we feature and curate content on topics ranging from psychology to creativity and productivity. We'd love to hear from you. What show made an impact on your thinking, your habits, your decision making, or anything else? And anyone you'd like us to reach out to and have on the show, let us know. <laughs>